0: Would you turn your Bible, please, to Daniel chapter 1, Daniel the first chapter. Just think of standing on shore over in heaven with all the redeemed of all the ages and looking back across the years and being able to say, Jesus led me all the way and he made not one mistake. Thank you for that, Brother Jim. I want to read the first eight verses of Daniel chapter one. This is a repeat of some of the things that perhaps we studied in Sunday school, but I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, the one God uses, a man with a purpose. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you for the primaries and for the juniors for the others that are meeting in other rooms in this building right now, for those leaders with them. We thank you for what we've experienced already. We're so grateful that when we observed folks coming into the service this morning, we saw the blind and the lame and the halt all coming to worship with everyone else, to study the Word of God. And we pray that now the Holy Spirit will move in our hearts And may someone who has a need in his life have that need met. Someone who needs forgiveness, find cleansing in Christ. And someone who needs encouragement, find that thing in the Lord. And may Jesus be exalted as the King and the Lord. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Now, the land of Shinar answers roughly to the nation Iraq today. Babylon is, is where New Baghdad stands. And so we have been reading in the papers, of course, about the war between Iran and Iraq. Iran is ancient Persia. Iraq is ancient Babylon, or the land of Chaldea, or the land of Shinar. And the king spoke unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and gifted in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's place, palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed to them daily provision of the king's food and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end of them they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's food, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now as we think about the man or the one whom God uses, a man with a purpose, we want to think of Daniel. And as we think of Daniel, I want you to think of some of the times in which he lived. This was the third year of Jehoiakim, about the year 604 B.C. Daniel was born in 625 B.C., The year he was born was the birthday of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Ashurbanipal, the last of the mighty Assyrian kings, died in 625, and Babylonia took over the place of the great world empire. In 612, Nineveh fell, this changed the course of history and made Babylonia the new master Of Asia and Asia Minor. Daniel was of royal descent. He was kin to the king. Now he was born during the reign of Josiah. Josiah was the king who led a great revival and reformation in Judah. As a matter of fact, had it not been for Josiah, Israel, Judah's captivity would have been hastened. But God gave a retrieve to the people of Judah because of the reforms under Josiah. He became king when he was eight, he was converted when he was 16. He uh, led in a great reformation which resulted in revival throughout Judah. He repaired the temple, and in the temple they found the book of the law, which some equate with the book of Deuteronomy. And he had the people stand as the Deuteronomy book was read. And the people of God repented. And some of the folks turned back to the Lord. Now during that revival, which lasted several years, a number of people were reached, but not everybody. Interestingly enough, and this is a very important word to those of you who have done everything you can to bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, only to learn as they grow older that they do not follow your leadership. There was no greater king in in Judah than Josiah. And during Josiah's reign, revival fires broke out. And among the people that were touched by that revival were Daniel and Hananiah in Mishael and Hazariah. And but now listen to this. The king's own children were not touched. That's enough to make you weep. One of those kings was Jehoahash. He's the one that became captain of the guard, went down to Egypt, was an evil king, And he died in Egypt. Jehoiachin was another one of his sons. He was an evil king. He's the one that heard Jeremiah's preaching and asked for Jeremiah's book and took a penknife and tore the pages or the scroll of Jeremiah's book and threw it in the fire. The Bible tells us he was buried like a beast. That was Jehoiachim, son of Josiah. His other son was Zedekiah. Zedekiah was evil. And he was taken by Nebuchadnezzar. He saw his own sons slain. And they took a red hot poker and put his eyes out. And took him in chains to Babylon. Ladies and gentlemen, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Nor can you blame others. Every tub has to sit on its own bottom. That's colloquial. There was an adage that the Israelites used to say the Father hath eaten. Sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And the Bible says no longer will that be true. Every man will have to answer for his own life. And some in this auditorium have poured your life into your children. And your children did not go the way of God. Can you imagine Josiah's hurt deep in his heart? Well, during that revival... Daniel was touched Some of you in this room there's a boy over here named Dan Dan is your real name Daniel or Danny? Daniel Danny all right another young man in our church is named Daniel. Is anybody here named Daniel? I don't know whether there is or not. Yes. Yes there. I knew that Daniel right back here now Daniel D-A-N-I-E-L the EL is a suffix that means God Daniel was a servant of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the pagan names of those three friends of Daniel. Their original names were Hananiah, the A-H suffix meaning Yahweh, Mishael, the L meaning God, Azariah, the A-H referring to Yahweh. So all four of those young men, had been influenced by the revival under Josiah and had yielded their lives to the King, the King Christ Jesus. It's always that way in revival. Some will be touched and others will ignore what God says. God give us revival. But even when revival comes, remember that some believe and some believe not. I asked in our Sunday School class this morning how many were saved in revival. I think I counted 14 or 15 and in that same revival where some of those were reached they testified by the lifted hand that they knew of others who were exposed to the same revival who were not reached some of you are within the sound of the voice of the Word of God this morning here in this auditorium or by radio some will respond and say, Lord, here's my life. I give it to Thee. Others will say, not now. Some other time. Not today. Judah was taken captive. Jerusalem fell. Daniel was one of, among the first to be taken captive down to Babylon. And in Babylon, Ashpenaz commanded to give special training to some of the king's seed. These were youths in whom was no blemish. They were well favored. They were skillful in all wisdom. They were gifted in knowledge. They understood science. They had ability to learn the language of the Chaldeans. Now notice the test. Daniel was converted in Judah during Josiah's revival. He had already decided what he was going to do when the tests of life come. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not our prerogative to wait until the tests come to decide what to do. We must decide ahead of time. One reason we have temperance speakers come from time to time and challenge our young people to come and take a stand saying, I will not be overtaken by drugs, I will not take liquor into my body, is so those young people can decide ahead of time, not when they're offered the drink. Not when they're offered the drugs, but they've already decided. They've already made up their minds. And that's the way it was with Daniel. Sometimes at teen time, maybe most Sunday nights, we sing, I've decided, I've made up my mind, I'll serve the Lord. Maybe Daniel, God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they said, said, well, let's sing. Let's get together and have a quartet. I have decided, I've made up my mind. They had decided ahead of time what to do. Now, I want you to notice, everything did not go Daniel's way. He was saved early in his life, but shortly after he gave his life to God, the Babylonian hordes came in and surrounded the city and they led captive some of the choice people. His nation fell. None of us have ever lived in a time when America fell. Can you imagine, the, can you imagine what went on in the hearts of Japanese and Germans and Italians in the last war when their nation fell? Daniel's nation fell. They were carried away to captive, to Babylon. Their names were changed. Daniel means God is my judge. His new name, Belteshazzar, meant, Bel, protect my life. Hananiah's name was Jehovah is gracious. His name was changed to Shadrach, the command of the moon god. Mishael is a name that meant who is like God. He became Mishak, who is like Aku, one of the heathen gods. Hezariah meant Jehovah is my helper. His name became Abednego, the servant of a pagan god. Now they changed his name. They changed his home. They changed his knowledge. They tried to change his diet. They tried to change him. But Daniel had purposed in his heart. He'd already made up his mind. He was indoctrinated in the Babylonian culture, the folklore, the myths of Babylon. He was trained to be one of the Babylonian wise men, one of the astrologers of the East. And yet Daniel had already made up his mind. He was away from home. Nobody would ever know. He was 16 or 17 years old. He could do what he wanted to do. Mom wasn't there. Dad wasn't there. But God was there. And boys and girls and teens and young people and adults, no matter where we are, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth. He knows everything about us. Not a thing hidden from him. Just a little thing, Daniel. You've got to be like everybody else. But Daniel said No. No. Now because Daniel was strong and he said no, listen what happened. In verse fifteen, at the end of ten days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the youths who did eat the portion of the king's food. Thus Melzer took away the portion of their food and the wine that they should drink and gave them vegetables. That's the translation of pulse. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. And at the end of the days, the king had uh, these young men brought before them. In verse 19, the king conversed with them. And among all of them was not found one like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. Now. I want to talk to you just a few moments in closing about the one that God uses as we think of Daniel and these three friends of his. A man with a purpose. Look at verse 8 again. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's food nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Which leads me to say If you want to be used by God, there are some qualifications. I'd like to lay on your heart, and I wish you would write them down either in your heart or on your Bible or on a piece of paper. Three qualifications for the man God would use or the person that God would use. Number one, sin satisfied. Number two, signals straight. And number three, sights set. Now, if you want to be used by God, you need those three qualifications in your life. Number one, sin satisfied. The Bible says there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whether you're a junior or a primary or teen, an adult, whether you're in old age, whoever you are today, the Bible says one thing about you that can be sure. That one thing is that you're a sinner. You're a sinner there's sin in your life and God says all of us have sinned all we like sheep have gone astray we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all the wages of sin is death Romans 6 23 but the gift of God is eternal life notice the wages you earn the wages of sin But the gift of God is a free gift. You just receive it. You can't get it without receiving it. God never forces his gift on anybody. He just offers it. Here's an illustration. I want to give somebody a dollar this morning. Whoever believes me can come and get it. You Just come and get it. Whoever gets here fast, first, can get it. This guy beat everybody else. All right. Now, you see, they could have thought I was just playing a trick, or I'd pull it back. i meant it. Now, I want to tell you, listen, God offers you a gift, but you have to get it. You have to receive it, and you have to know you need it. If you didn't need that dollar, if you had a million dollars, you probably wouldn't have come to get that. you say, well, I'm too sophisticated. I don't need that. If you needed the dollar, you'd come and get it. If you need forgiveness, God offers it. Sin has to be satisfied. Daniel had his sin problem satisfied down in Judah, in in Jerusalem, when he was a young man under the revival of Josiah. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sins, penalty, was satisfied at the cross when christ went to the cross he died once and for all for our sins and if you'll receive him as your savior he forgives and he cleanses he becomes your personal savior but even after we're saved we still have a battle with sin how many in this auditorium have had a a battle with sin since you have been saved lift your hands everyone here just because Christ settled it and forgave our sins on the cross and everyone who will come to him and receive him as savior can be saved and just because I come and receive him as my savior does not mean that all of a sudden I'm never going to have any more sin problems that's the reason for 1 John 1 9 if we confess our sins God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness we need to confess that sin forsake it and then forget it. We need to forgive our own sins and the sins of others. Is there anyone in this room who has never had anybody sin against you? Never had anybody sin against you? Well, just about everybody has had somebody sin against you. How many of you have had your feelings hurt sometime? Lift your hands. Just about everybody. Now I want to ask you, have you forgiven them? You said, they didn't ask me. Well The Bible doesn't say you need to sit around and wait all day till they ask you to forgive them. You just forgive them. Because Christ has forgiven you. Part of the prayer we pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins or our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. For if ye forgive not men their trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses against him. Sin must be satisfied. It is satisfied in Christ. Daniel found satisfaction for his sin problem in Jesus. He received the Lord into his heart. He became one of the prophets of the Old Testament who said more about the coming of Christ than Almost any of the other prophets. Daniel knew the word. He knew the way. He knew the walk. He knew the work. And Daniel got busy working for the Lord. Now, friend, if you're going to qualify to be used by God, the first thing is to have your sin satisfied. You know, Peter flubbed up after he got saved. He really made a mess of things. He denied Jesus. Now, not many in this room who have been saved by the precious blood of Christ have cursed Jesus. Peter did. Not many in this room have had the opportunity to be right there where Jesus was on trial and you said, I never knew him. Peter did. We deny him in other ways. By letting our guard down, by letting our testimony down, by failure to be what we ought to be, by failure to keep our eyes on Jesus. But then Peter came back. He said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He even said to Jesus, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I can't even stand to be in your presence. And Jesus called him to himself, and Peter came. And Peter became the great rock that God used. So can you. In order to be used by God, sin has to be satisfied in Christ. We cannot pretend that we're not sinners. We need to confess it to God, confess it to the ones we've hurt, ask their cleansing, their forgiveness, and then accept it and go on serving the Lord. We cannot live under the shadow of a past. Secondly, Daniel was able to be used by God because he's got his signals straight. Daniel had some past glories and some past tragedies. When Daniel was a young man, his nation crumbled all around him. Now we we have a hard time understanding that. None of us have ever lived in a time like that. The closest we ever came to it was in Vietnam. Maybe Korea, but Vietnam. Where our men got airlifted out. We could have had the victory, but we chose not as political nation to have the victory. What a tragedy. If you can imagine some of the defeat that the Viet- our men who fought in Vietnam experienced. Some of the hurt. When they came back to an America where people had been burning their draft cards and running into college, office, college presidents' offices and taking control and roaming up and down the streets and talking down to men who had gone and risked their lives and come back lame and limb, lame in their limbs from Vietnam and how mistreated some of them were, then you'll understand a little bit of how Daniel felt when Babylon came and took their nation and led him captive. Defeat. But I want to tell you, Daniel didn't stay defeated. He got his signal straight. Now Daniel had some past glories. His past glories and our past glories can either be an example or a millstone hung around our necks. You know, I, I think sometimes of Some of the men I've known, they'll uh, say to their wife, I wish you could cook like mom can cook. that's That's a romantic suicide in your home. I just want to remind you of that. Mom might have been the best cook in the world, but don't tell your wife that. When she burns the biscuits, say, I like burned biscuits. When the toast gets burned, say, I really like that charcoal on the toast. You did a good job with that. When the cake doesn't rise, say, I like it. I like it with those dips in it. You can't go back home. You can't say, well, I, you don't cook like mom cooked. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes we look back at victories and blessings we've had in the past, and we hold them up, and we say, I wish everything were like it used to be. I say to you, you can't go back home. No way you can do it. You can't go back Daniel had some past glories and he thanked God for them, but never in this book do you find him saying, Oh, I wish we had it like we did when Josiah was king and when all the wonderful things were going on and there was revival in the land. He didn't do that. He just took up where he was and said things may not be the best, but boy, we're going to march on to victory. Amen. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what we have to do. We can get defeated because things are not like they used to be. And we can say, oh, I wish it were like it was 20 years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago. or I wish it were like, I, like it was when I was a child. You can't have it like that. Daniel didn't try to have it like that. The reason God could use Daniel is, number one, he had his sins satisfied in Christ. And number two, he got his signals straight past failures can be a reminder but not a defeat sometimes we have the attitude whatever is wrong I don't have time to fix it I'll let everybody know about it but I'm not going to take the time to fix it dear friends if we want people saved listen to this carefully. we're going to have to take time to go visit them You can't say, oh, for the days of long ago when somebody had compassion on me and came to see me, I don't know who you're visiting. Who do you have on your heart that you're going to try to reach for Christ? If you say we ought to build a strong work so that the boys and girls have strong mission organizations like RAs and GAs, I want to know who will say, here am I, use me. I'll take some time from making some money, and I'll put my life on the line and try to do it. Oh, for a bus that had 50 or 60 or 100 on it. Well, unless you're willing to say, Lord, use me, I'll, I'll get involved in it. Then don't even bring it up. Daniel had his signal straight. And the reason God could use him is because he did not look back and long for glory's past. He said, here we are. We're in, a, we're in captivity. We're in trouble. Let's pray our way out. And he started by deciding in his heart and purposing in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat, nor with the wine, nor with being like the people are all around him. But he decided to lift them up. And I think there are examples in the book of Daniel where he and his three friends got together and had prayer meetings. One time, the king was going to destroy all the wise men, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel got the, those three guys together and he just spread the thing before the Lord and said, Lord, we're in trouble. He didn't go around telling everybody else he was in trouble, he just said, Lord, we're in trouble. What will we do? And, and he said, Lord, give me the vision of the king's dream. And God gave it to him out of intense prayer. Daniel had his signal straight. Number three, if we want to be the kind of per- person that God can use, a man or a woman with a purpose, we need to have our sights set. What do I really want? Now, not everybody knows this, what we really want. Some of us say, I really want to please God, but I want everybody to like me. I want to tell you there's an antithesis there. Everybody is not going to like you if you please God only. In Daniel's day, he said, I've decided, I've made up my mind, I'll serve the Lord. There are three attitudes today prevalent. Number one is, I'm going to please myself. Whatever I want, that's what I'm going to get. The Epicurean philosophy eat, drink, and be married. Tomorrow we die, we'll just do whatever we want to in life. There's another philosophy that says, I'm going to please the people. And I'm going to tell you, you're in bad trouble if you decide you're just going to please the people. You're going to please this group, but you'll displease this group. You'll please this group, and you won't please that group. Everyone in, this, in the sound of my voice today wants to please people. We want folks to, to respect us and to admire us. There's not anybody that would stand and say, I want everybody to hate me. That's un- if there are instincts in our lives, there's something there that says, I want people to approve of what I'm doing. But the question is, who do you want to approve? There's a proverb that says, if a man please God, even his enemies will be at peace with him. And Daniel decided to please God. He set his sight on pleasing the Lord. He said, he's the one I love. He's the one I love. I want to serve him. And so he said to the king, no, I'll not take your wine or your drink or your food. I'm going to honor the Lord. They caught him a little bit later praying. They said, "Daniel, you can't do that." The king has said, "Nobody can pray to anybody but him." And Daniel said, well, "That's fine." And Daniel went over. He knelt three times a day toward Jerusalem and prayed right in public with the windows open, the doors open, so everybody could see, because he had decided to please God. Now my time is up, but I want to ask you this morning, as a church, as a family as some of you who have been called to preach as some of you have been called to be deacons as some of you have been called to be wives of deacons as some of you have been called to be Sunday school teachers as everyone in this room who has been called to be a christian do you want to be used by god there are three qualifications number 1 have your sins satisfied Number two, get the signal straight. And number three, get your sights set on just serving Him. And it all begins by receiving Christ as your personal Savior. By saying, Lord, I want God to be real in my life. I want to ask you to forgive my sins and save me for Jesus' sake. If you'll do that, He'll save you today. Maybe bow our heads and close our eyes, please. With our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, I want to ask everybody here to think carefully about this one question. Do I want to be somebody God can use? It begins by receiving Christ as personal Savior. By saying, Lord, I need you. I want you in my heart. I ask you to save me. It continues by saying Lord I want to get the signals straight in my life I don't want to just rest on glories of the past I am where I am and I'm gonna start where I am and pray myself Godward and pray my work Godward I'm gonna do what God wants and then I'm going to set my sights on pleasing the Lord only. Our Father, we pray that someone here shall not have just heard some words today, but maybe hear beyond the words of the preacher and hear from heaven. We ask you to draw somebody, maybe a child, maybe a youth, maybe an adult. Who would say Lord use me I want to be used by God may somebody dare to be a Daniel we pray in Jesus name Amen may we stand please come every soul by sin oppressed there's mercy with the Lord he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word 312 page 312 come every soul Only trust Him. This is God's invitation. Now listen, if before you came today, you received Christ as your personal Savior, you ask Him to come into your heart, you need to come and confess Him. You need to come and take an open stand for Jesus today. If you have already said, Lord, I've been saved and I know I need to follow Jesus in baptism, you ought to come today. And take that stand. If you're a member of some of the church, God wants you at this church, you ought to come today and say, I want to become part of this fellowship. There's someone here who has never been saved. If you died today, you'd go to hell. And God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. I want to encourage you to come. While we sing, we'll not sing very long. Step out quickly for the King. Will you come?